Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and we've got an extended version of Guy Talk today. Guys who talk, and you know that that is a, a freewheeling hour that you can ask any question you like, and we will do our very best to, to give you an answer. The uh, number to text the questions is 877-933-2484. My power panel is still in place. Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Dr. Peter Kapsner. Gentlemen, welcome back from your three-and-a-half-minute break. How did it go? Went very well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, tons of questions coming in, so let's just jump into them. At what point does someone receive the Holy Spirit, and is there a initial sign? Boy, this uh, this sounds like underneath that question is whether you should be speaking in tongues, right? Sounds um, that way, yeah. Probably be, yeah, so... I, I'm just addressing <clears throat> what the question sounds like. It seems like Brock and Parrish should be great at answering it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know... Go ahead, Tom. Well, I just, you know, I, let me give you, can I give you the Lutheran and the Baptist answer? Because the people listening to this radio show, you know, Billy Graham founded, uh, did he found KTIS as well? Well, he was president at the time it started. Okay. He just gave the dedicatory and, and prayer so on the first. Let let me, the Lutheran, give you the Baptist viewpoint than the real <laughs> viewpoint. No, seriously, though, uh, Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. Now, did he have the Holy Spirit before that? He did because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So, but um, I believe there's a connection between water baptism and the Holy Spirit. Sure. That's not to say the Holy Spirit cannot work outside that box because Peter is preaching and the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his family and they start speaking in tongues and Peter says, well, who's gonna, who can prevent these people from getting water baptized? So, you know, God can work outside the box, but I would definitely tell people, if you've never been baptized, get baptized and uh, be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter said it, uh, in, in the book of Acts. Um, but again, God can work outside that box. I agree. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, go ahead, Parrish. I'll go again. <laughs> okay, I'll jump in quickly. Please, someone, then. Please, I, someone else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and the pain, I know. Um, I, I, you know, I think if we take our cues from early church practice, how they understood it, I think it was exactly what you said as well, Brock, is that um, to be baptized uh, was the first act in a, in a three-act series. We've talked about this on air a couple of times, but uh, all in one day, if you wanted to say yes to following Jesus, the the, the way you said yes publicly was to get baptized, and then when you came out of the waters of baptized, immediately you were greeted by an officiant from the church who uh, anointed your head in o- with oil, and the oil was the symbol that the Spirit now controlled your life. You're, you're uh, no longer under the control of sin, you're under the control of the Spirit, and then you headed to the communion table right after. And so this idea that I think is, is much more recent, and by recent I mean the last 80-ish years, of theology and primarily in Western culture is sort of this idea that you get yourself saved, which would mean in, in those traditions that you get yourself positioned properly for heaven, but then you need to enter into a second kind of a ritual where the the blessing of the Spirit falls upon you, and the evidence of that would be speaking in tongues. And 
And I think, guys, I mean, I, I sympathize. I have many actually friends from those sorts of traditions, but but at the same time, um, it, it seems pretty clear that the reason for the speaking in tongues in the book of Acts is because the Jews were so entirely confused all the time how the Gentiles could possibly be included in this new kingdom of God that Jesus had inaugurated, because for generations they've been told, don't mess with the Gentiles at all, don't eat with them, don't go near them, you're not supposed to sell yourself with the Gentiles, and suddenly it's like, hey, the salvation has been extended to the Gentiles. I mean, the book of Luke, uh, the primary concern of the book of Luke is how the salvation is now going to the Gentiles, according to God's intention all along. And then Luke wrote Acts, and so Acts is just a continuation of that story. So it wasn't about just doing some sort of ritual to get a second blessing so that you're now speaking in tongues yeah. and have the Spirit in your life. The reason for the speaking of tongues, but it was it was the undeniable proof that the Gentiles we're mm -hmm. also experiencing the life of God as well. And, and and Paul says as much. He says later on, you know, Jews need their signs, is is what he was saying. And, and that's a reference to a sign. So I, I think that really the idea you need a second blessing. Uh, and, and some people, boy, you hear their stories, and they're like, I feel forced into it, and I kind of made it up. Mm -hmm. I, I do absolutely think tongues can be a real gift. And, and there's people I trust that say they have the gift. No. I don't. I haven't ever spoken in tongues. Uh, and I think that's a question for you know different conversation. But the idea to make it dogmatically the well, second gift that you need is is a little dodgy. I, here's what makes me—I I mean, I believe in speaking in tongues. I do speak in tongues. I don't think that makes me more spiritual than a Christian that doesn't have that gift. And that's what really—there are churches where, okay, you can be saved— without speaking in tongues. But if you really want the anointing of your Holy of the right. Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. And and let's admit in the new in the book of Acts, often people got saved, they spoke in tongues. Yeah. Like you said, Peter. Um but does it ever say every single person spoke in tongues? Or does it ever say you have to speak in tongues to be saved? Absolutely not. And Paul the Apostle, who said, I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than any of you, is also the man who said not all speak in tongues, do they? And the answer to that in Corinthians is no. Not everybody has that gift. So I, I, I some of the, I believe in in the Holy Spirit's gifts, and I don't think any of them stopped like some churches think. Some people think it stopped when Paul or John put his pen down from writing the Book of Revelation, and that we don't need the gifts anymore because the New Testament is complete. The Bible never says that. You know, I really believe the Holy Spirit is multi-talented, and I'm serious about that. What I mean by that is this. Before I was ever conceived in my mother's womb, I believed that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was already working. As he said to Jeremiah, before you conceived in the womb, I knew you. I believe the Holy Spirit was working when I came to faith. Mm -hmm. wasn't me that mm -hmm. suddenly woke up one day and said, it's all logical. It was the power of the Spirit working in me. Now, as I walk with Jesus, there are times the Spirit manifests itself in me and comes out, whether in preaching, teaching, laying out of hands, seeing people healed. And I think that we like the visible. The visible tells us we have the Spirit. But the point is, you can't even say Jesus is Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what it says. And, and yeah. the problem is we don't understand that deep enough. I'm a woodworker in, in my spare time. I have a tool belt. I have all kinds of tools on there. I don't use a hammer for everything. The Holy Spirit is not one-dimensional. The Holy Spirit has been working in your life, my life, the listener's life, before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, and is there to the very moment you breathe your last breath, still trying to draw you to Jesus. And so then when he, he comes in, things open up. I mean, we, we see the manifestation in a variety of ways. All right. My denomination teaches that Jesus died spiritually. I don't believe that. Who is holding the world, the whole universe together? Well... If the person is saying 
when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't literally die as a man. We have to reject that because if he didn't die, literally die as a man, then our sins aren't paid for. They're not saying that. They're saying my denomination teaches that Jesus died spiritually. But not physically? Is that what they're saying? Well, I think that's a given. He died physically for sure. Okay. in his death that he also died spiritually. I think that can be said. You know, you you don't want to, I mean, I think when Jesus died, there's a hymn. What is it about when our great God died? There's a sense in which God died on the cross and there's a sense in which he didn't. I, I and you know did this did the second person of the Trinity stop existing for three days? I don't think so. No, I think was, you know he was in paradise. Yeah. So in that sense, but did he really die? Did the God Man die? We want to say yes to that. Well, if we think of, of course dying, he did. If we think yeah. of dying as extinction, then we have a problem. Yeah. Jesus didn't go extinct when he died. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus though died bodily, died as both you know God and Son in that brief moment. And then three days later rose from the dead. But the point is, Jesus says, the moment you believe in me, you pass from death to life. You and I, all believers, we will physically quit breathing one day. We will not die, says Jesus. We will go on to be with him in whatever form, however he does that. And so no extinction. God. So I've had people say, how could God die on the cross? Because that's who he was. Mm-hmm. And But he's not extinct mm-hmm. in doing that. He simply absorbed all that sin and became, for us, the answer to our brokenness. Did I miss yeah, something, I Rosie? To I'm going to let Rosie on here. Okay. Yeah. Did Please I miss do. something? Well, no, I was just thinking that, you know, we talk about when we die, our bodies die, and instantly we're taken up into heaven. Yes. So when Jesus died, he his spirit never died. It just was a continuation of who he was. Yes. Right? Isn't that, I mean, yes. aren't we a reflection of him yes. in our own dying process? Yeah. So his spirit didn't die. No. His body did. All right. No Thank, you. Thank you, Rosie. Now back to the guys. Right? This, no, this yeah. the so, You know, I don't want to yeah. be a heretic. We, and we I, need Rosie occasionally I, just well, to clarify. Well, I, I don't want to be, I want to know, all these are good questions, whether we have the complete answer to some of this, I don't know. But what did the early church, because that Council of Nicaea had to go through all this stuff. And I think, and I could be wrong, I think they still wanted to say there's a sense in which, a sense in which God died on the cross. Because you can't, you can't separate the two natures of Christ. Well, it's a language thing. And then I think it's where the language becomes a problem. Because the man, if he was, Jesus was just a man, his sacrifice means no more than your sacrifice for me. There's no power in that. But he was the man, the God-man. So God's sacrifice in God the Son, Jesus, made all the difference in the world. But I agree with Rosie. It didn't cease to exist at that point. It wasn't like he went and was gone. No. He, went, he then moved on from there, and in that, like Dan Freeberg told me, Dr. Dan Freeberg, in that brief moment, and he would say that brief shining moment, Jesus absorbed all my sin, died for my sin, and then went on as king of the universe. Yeah, well, cheapers, you guys. I mean, for all the time on Guy Talk, have we ever had like these deep of theological questions? I mean, it, it, they're really interesting ones. I have sure. a headache. You, you know, a they're, they're tough. I have a headache. Yeah. Yeah. You can leave them. I mean, I <laughs> bye bye now. <laughs> did you say you are a headache? Yeah. Ouch. Oh, did you yeah. say I have a headache? Ouch. <laughs> okay. Exactly Everybody's it. talking at once. All right, let me take a break. You're listening to Guy Talk or Guys Who Talk. Let me know. We've got time for a couple more questions. 877-933-2484. My guests are Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Kapsner. 
And I don't know if Peter will be with us the last uh, 12 minutes, but he may not be. So, Peter, if that's uh, all you've got with us today, thank you for joining us. Well, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys, Parrish uh, right. and Brock again. I love it. We'll take a short break and be right back. Guy Talk, so glad that you have joined us. If you uh, missed any of this uh, show today, okay. <laughs> I get it, right? We get it in a podcast. You no, it is it available via podcast. There's been some really interesting questions Listen today. Listen many times. Yes, and Guy Talk is designed for you to ask uh, pastors questions. Maybe you've got a question you've never wanted to ask your own pastor, but you're willing to ask the, these guys, so <laughs> they're happy to take your your questions, my guests uh, are Pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish. They are holding the fort down until the uh, rest of this half hour. And here's a question that came in. Why does the resurrected Jesus uh, refer to the Father as my God four times in one verse in Revelations 3.12? 3.12, he, uh, he's, and I'll read it if you like. Please do. Yes, uh, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. I think we want to answer that. It's the same question as who was Jesus praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Was he talking to himself? And the answer mm-hmm. is no. Mm-hmm. The Trinity are three distinct persons. There's only one God but there is a distinction between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it's proper. I mean, Jesus rises from the dead and says, I'm ascending to my, your God and my God, to my Father and your Father, making a distinction that, yes, God is the Father of believers, but there's a difference of how Jesus is having God as his Father than we are. And, there's a, and so I think it's proper to say that Jesus was not talking to himself in the garden. He was talking to the Father. And in those verses, in that verse from Revelation, God is Jesus God. That doesn't mean that Jesus is not eternal with the Father because John 1 1 says, Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, you know, when I get to see Jesus one day face to face, we all do, I still expect to see the scars in his hands mm-hmm. and the scar on his side. When Jesus became human, he became human forever, as well as being. God from eternity. And so he can literally say, speaking to my God, helping us understand that even from his human perspective, you know, he has that reverence for God the Father. We miss that. And we think of Jesus after the resurrection as that humanness is all over with. He's still, he's identified fully with us for all eternity. And so we will see Jesus as he is, both God and man, sitting on that throne and yeah, people don't understand that Jesus is now the glorified God yes, man. Yes, he is. And so, there, I mean, when Jesus returns, he's not going to look like a horse or a cow. He's going to look like a man. What did he say to yeah. Thomas in the upper room? Here, take a look at my hands. Mm-hmm. Here, put your hand on my side. So the, the wounds the were still Jesus. there. They were yep. still there. They were. So he's 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 still the God man. It's a glorified Forever. human body now. But yep. 
All right. In previous sessions, you guys were talking about the white throne judgment after we die. The comments I heard from you is that we will still be judged for our sins. That would mean for the believer, Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough. Will We will be rewarded or lose rewards at the Bema seat for what we did for Christ on earth. This is what I believe the scriptures say. My past, present, and future sins have been paid fully. Amen. It, yeah. That's true. It's also true that Second Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what each one has done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. It's also true, First First uh, Corinthians 3, there's two men that have the foundation of Christ are going to be judged. They both have the saving foundation of Christ. One goes into heaven with reward. The other one goes into heaven without reward, though he himself will be saved, but only is through fire. So I do think the Bible teaches there are varying degrees of reward. Mm-hmm. Christ has paid all my sins. I'm not expecting to be punished ever for my sins on Judgment Day or thereafter. That's been taken care of. Right. But a matter of reward is going to be dealt with. Right. Yeah, when you're talking about the great white throne judgment, when the word judgment is used there, it's not used in the sense of salvation or not salvation. We're already saved. We passed out of judgment, says Jesus, the moment we believe. But there is still an examination of what we've done. Mm-hmm. There is still an accountability to what we've done. And that doesn't mean he's going to throw us away. I mean, I've had my kids, you know, as they were growing up, work for me on construction sites with I worked with my dad or whatever when I, you know, in the summer sometime uh, before I was a pastor and, and my friends rather. And what it comes down to is sometimes they made a mess. I didn't throw them away. They were still my guys, and, you know, they were part of our crew. What they needed to do was be talked about about what they did, and I think that's what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another question. What are your views, biblical views, on the do-not-resuscitate medical order, especially for situations when the patient will be in a vegetative state? As a Christian, is it okay to choose do-not-resuscitate? I think it's okay to let someone die. It's not okay to kill someone. So I I think if if you're uh, if you're dying, they don't have to go to extraordinary measures to keep you alive, but they do not kill you by right. giving you drugs. To, so you'll you know that's the difference. Right, I agree. Next, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. There is a question that just came in that I found fascinating that. I got to find it now again. They come in so fast here. Um, let's see. Here it is. Um, I heard on the show that the unforgivable sin is blasphemy. What if a person commits suicide and is a Christian and are, and they did not repent? God has forgiven my past, present, and future sin. Mm-hmm. I got an answer for this. Please go ahead, Tom. Let Tom, Tom well, Parrish go first. Okay, go ahead, Tom. Tom Parrish? Uh, you, you know, you're talking about a very tough thing here on, on the way the Lord works. Here's the one thing I know. Uh, I have been with many dying people. I have been with people that literally say they went to heaven or they went to hell and came back. Almost all of them tell me that in that split second of dying, there there is a moment where it's like an eternity. In other words... The Lord can intervene even at that time for a non-believer. My advice is 
if you're that depressed as a Christian and want to commit suicide, please go seek out other Christians. Please seek help. But my Lord, Jesus, is not stymied by your behavior and mine. Like I've, that plaque I, I gave you, Tom, you know, that said when the Lord called you into ministry, he factored in your stupidity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way I feel. I don't have that plaque. Don't you? No. <laughs> you should. I burned it. <laughs> but he does. He takes. He can deal with that. Now, that's not to give a free pass so you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the Lord knows how to deal with us individually. And there are some people that have claimed Christ but have never really lived for him, and they wind up committing suicide, and they're going to go to hell. I remember my pastor when I was at 12 teaching in confirmation, if you kill yourself, you go to hell because First uh, John says, we know that a murderer does not have eternal life dwelling in him, and therefore if you murder yourself, you're not saved. I've changed my, I don't believe that anymore, and here's why. Some people say, yeah, but you, if you kill yourself, you don't have time to repent. Well, everybody's going to die without having time to repent for all your sins. What saves me is not me having enough time to confess every single sin. What saves me is the blood of Christ on the cross. All sins, past, present, and future are are cleared. So if somebody, if, if anybody's considering suicide, don't do it. It's a sin and get help. But he, I remember a uh, pastor I respect, a woman, dear Christian woman of his church killed herself. And he preached at the funeral. Her life was toward Christ. And she did this evil thing at the last moment. That was paid for by Christ, too, was mm-hmm. his point. All right. When we're talking about churches that you should, uh, if you're joining a church, what is what are negotiables? What is non-negotiable? Mm-hmm. So the question is, what what is negotiable? Oh, in terms of the go, negotiable is, you know, when you're baptized at a, a certain age, or what if you have to speak in tongues? I think is negotiable. Um, a variety of those kind of things. What's not negotiable is who Jesus is and what He's done for us and how we need to submit to him, mm-hmm. and how we need to walk in repentance. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of negotiables. To, I just haven't thought of them all right to, now. To me, the non-negotiables are the Trinity, one yeah. God and three persons, like we've been talking about, salvation by grace alone and not by good works. That's a non-negotiable. You don't want to go to church that teaches you save yourself by being good enough. Right. So salvation by grace alone is non-negotiable. The Trinity is non-negotiable. Jesus being fully God and fully man is non-negotiable. And of course, we would, we would always say, oh, we'd say the second coming of Christ is non-negotiable. But how that's going to happen, I mean, if a church puts into their statement of faith that you have to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, I'm thinking you're going away. I, if people believe that, I'm not saying that affects their salvation at all. But don't put it in your creed like you've got to believe this to be a member of the church. You know? Right. Right. So many great questions still coming in. Patrice got a great question. Gary's got a great question. Mike's got a question. It just Carol's got a question. It goes on and on. We just ran out of time. Give him Tom's phone number. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. no, you're not. <laughs> but that is uh, all the time we have for the extended version of Guy Talk. Thank you so much for all the great questions. The ones that we did not get to, uh, please stay tuned. Next time we meet, we'll bring up these questions because they're great questions. And uh, thank you so much, uh, gentlemen, for being here today. Thank you, you. Always. Always. All right, we'll take a little break. When we come back, my guest is Jarrett Stevens. He's written a book called The Always God. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. It's all next.
My guest uh, coming up is Jarrett Stevens. I'm excited to meet him. He's senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. It's one of the largest and most diverse churches in America. He's the author of The Mountains Are Calling, and the book that I'm holding in my hand today is called The Always God. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. He's joining us uh, today on the studio line. Jarrett, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Good to be with you today. Yeah, are you you a, a guy from Texas, or did you move to Texas? You know, I've been in Dallas, uh, Texas for the last 20 years. I was in Dallas for 20 years and uh, then recently moved to Houston here about seven months ago, but uh, grew up in Louisiana. So originally from Louisiana and then went to school yeah. in Arkansas and made my way to Texas as fast as I could, as they say. Okay. <laughs> you uh, you were a teaching pastor at Prestonwood Baptist, which is a phenomenal church in yeah. Dallas, alongside Dr. Jack Graham. So you had some great mentoring, didn't you? I did. I did. Dr. Graham is a great man, and he was incredibly good to me and my family and had 20 wonderful years at Preston Wood and served the last 10 years right by his side, one-on-one as a teaching pastor. And so uh, really great mentorship, and I'm grateful for his investment in me. Yeah. Where is Champion uh, Forest Baptist Church in Houston? Yeah, Champion, I, I used Champion to live Forest in Houston. Is, yeah, northwest Houston. So in the spring area, spring yeah. Tomball, oh, yeah. Klein area right yeah. there. Okay. Awesome. Well, your book is very intriguing, and it's called The Always God. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. And I know the last few years people have been asking, you know, what is God up to? How do you answer that question? Well, that's what really, uh, Bill, made me write the book is we were in the middle of quarantine. The nation was kind of in a timeout. Asking that question, God, what are you doing? And certainly, as a pastor, I were being cut back. Some were losing their jobs. People were getting sick. Some were dying. And I think that was the question that was a lot, a lot of people's heart. God, are you seeing what's going on? And uh, that's really what uh, generated the idea behind the book. Is I wanted to show the truth that you know what. God is the always God. The Bible says he is an ever-present help. And so I would spend a lot of time uh, running outside uh, during that quarantine just to get outside. I got four girls, Bill, so I'm the president of my own sorority house, <laughs> and, and I needed – I needed to get out as much as possible, and so I would be running. And you know, in, in that uh, year, 2020, uh, the, there was a song out called "Waymaker," and it was real popular in churches. And even when we don't see God, He's working. Even when we don't feel it, He's working. And I'd listen to that song as I was running, and these questions that I'm getting asked here at the quarantine about it. Man, is God seeing what's going on? I'm praying. I don't feel like my prayers are getting past the roof. And it just it birthed this message in my heart that I really had to get out on paper and get to people. Yeah. Jared, can I ask you kind of a heartbreaking question? You ready for this one? Go for it. All right. Let's say someone feels like God has forgotten them. Yeah. That's such a painful thought. What What is the most important thing to remember? Well, I think the most important thing to remember is don't go off your feelings. You know, feelings come and go. And I tell people all the time in discipleship relationship that if you go off of your feelings as it relates to your Christian walk, your life is going to look like an EKG heart chart, right? (laughs) It's going to be up, down, up, down, up, down. And so it's so important, especially when we're going through tough and trying times, uh, because it is a temptation to, to, to think, God, you don't see me. Or if you do see me, you don't care because you could do something about what's going on. 
and we have this feeling that God has abandoned us. Well, we can't live off feelings. Our feelings deceive us. Uh, we've got to live off of the truth of God's Word. And so I talk a lot about in the book uh, making sure that we are living off of truth. And our true source as Christians is, of course, the Bible. And when we allow the truth of God's Word to saturate and soak in our lives, it allows us to get through these times of momentary where our feelings don't feel like God's there. The truth is He is here. He hasn't forgotten. He's still in charge. He's ruling and reigning. And those types of things really give a lot of hope. And that's what this book's about, Bill. It's a, it's a book of hope to say, yeah. you know what, no matter what you're going through, God is there. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe, Jarrett, that it's a book of hope, which I love. Because there's lots of loss and disappointment in the world, um, and you know it could be this kind of diagnosis to your health that comes literally out of nowhere, or maybe you are really looking for a job and you can't find one, and your career search is going nowhere, and you're kind of wondering why is this happening? So mm-hmm. you know God doesn't change. Maybe you could give an example from Scripture about God's unchanging nature. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that that I talk to Christians about all the time and this whole idea of the unchanging nature of God is, you know, you read the scriptures and there are two words that I think bounce off the page of scripture over and over and over again. And those two words, Bill, are trust and entrust. As believers in Christ, we are called to trust the Lord and entrust our lives, our marriages, our families, our futures, our health, everything to him. I mean, it's just repetitive. Trust and interest. And I think oftentimes uh, what God does in these waiting times of life, uh, the issue is not that God doesn't hear us or see us or know what's going on. I think sometimes what we take issue with is God's not answering us on our timetable. And so the thing is, we've got to learn to trust the Lord and entrust our lives to Him because there's things that God is doing in the waiting times of life that He can't do any. Uh, anywhere else. Uh, it's it's those times where he sharpens us, he refines us. I mean, look, the nation of Israel, they waited 40 years in the desert. I could take you to person after person after person in the Bible who had to wait. Joseph waited in prison. David waited to ascend the throne. There are things going on in their life at the time where they're thinking, Lord, have you forgotten? And he hadn't forgotten. God was working in their heart and doing things in them that he could not do in any other way. And so I encourage people, look, don't waste your wait. When God's doing something in your heart, trust him and trust your life to him and don't waste that wait. Jared, I love that. Um, I love that. Don't waste your wait. I'm going to think about that for a long time. Jared Stevens is my guest. He's written a, a book called The Always God. He hasn't changed and you are not forgotten. Every time I get an author that writes a book like what you have written, it makes me wonder, did you have your own personal experience? Did you one at one time doubt if God was seeing you and remembering you? Yeah, great question, and thank you for asking. I think sometimes as preachers and pastors and Bible teachers, we can kind of sit up there and people think we have it all together and we never have any doubts or fears. And I try in this book, Bill, every chapter, I try to write a story uh, that kind of goes through that whole chapter weaving the biblical truth that I'm trying to teach. And these stories are all personal, and, and they're very near to my heart. And so I could talk you through a number of situations where uh, personally I was going through things. I mean, I talk in the first chapter, you know, the, the book is set in three parts. The first part is God is always here, and that's the fact that he always sees, he always hears, and he always 
speaks. The second part is he's always working. And I just talk about how God's working in our life and all the different ways that he's working. It's about seven or eight chapters right there. And then the last part is he's always faithful. The fact that you can trust him, you never have to lose hope in him. The resurrection shows that we never have to lose hope in him. But to answer your question, I, I tell story after story after story of times where I thought, God, are you hearing my prayer? God, are you seeing what's going on? I talk about my own uh, background of being uh, sexually abused as a child between the ages of 8 and 12, never told anybody until I was 19. Well, when that was going on, I'm thinking, God, are you seeing what's going on? I talk about my brother who for 17 years went away from the Lord. I prayed for his salvation for 17 years, Bill, and, and it seemed like, God, are you hearing my prayer? And so I tell these personal stories like this throughout the book that I think engages the reader, and I think it will also, again, give them hope that God's seeing them, God's hearing them, he's working in their life. Yeah, you uh, you kind of dropped some big information on, on me and our, our listeners with this abuse that you uh, went through. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? That's, that's kind of a big deal. And I know that experience, uh, you've written about that in The Always God. Yeah, you know, I wrote about it in my first book, The Mountains Are Calling, uh, and, and then I, I detail it a little bit uh, more in, in this book, The Always God. Uh, just uh, as, a, as a child, a uh, little league coach um, abused me between the ages of 8 and 12, never told a soul until I was 19, and I uh, was just scared to death. Didn't tell anybody just because of the normal reasons that nobody talks about abuse, right? The shame, the dirt, the filth that they feel. And I, I write about this in the introduction because, again, just trying to communicate to the reader that, look, all of us have doubts. All of us have fears. All of us have things that we've been through, and we wonder, God— are you seeing this? God, are you hearing me? Well, you can imagine as a little boy going through these, uh, going through this abuse, you know, just going, God, I, I don't like this. I don't, I don't want this. Are you hearing me? Are you seeing this? Why is this continuing? And you, you ask those things. And uh, of course, uh, God is able to use a testimony like this. I talk about how you can trust the Lord, and uh, God's using this testimony even right now over your airwaves mm-hmm. to communicate to people who are broken and hurt by life that, look, God is always here. He's doing something. He can redeem it. One chapter I wrote in this book in the way that God is always working is he's always restoring the broken. It's a beautiful thing that God does. He's always working in those ways. Yeah. And, uh, Jared, I think when you're 8 to 12 – do you even have the language to process your experience? And what if what if you then admit to somebody what happened and they don't believe you, or they tell yeah. you you've made it up? Yeah, and that, that's all the that's all the reasons that people stay silent, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, because nobody's going to believe me. Um, you know, if I tell somebody what's going to happen. Uh, I can remember as a little boy being, having those those uh, bouts of going, man, if I tell my dad, my dad's going to get mad. You're thinking as a little boy, he might go take your revenge out on this person, and then my dad goes to you. You're having all these little thoughts. Your mind just wonders. And so, uh, sure, that's what keeps you from telling people sometimes, but God in his grace and his goodness – uh, you know, for me personally, put people in my life as a teenager, allowed me to, you know, stay rooted in Scripture, grow, uh, rooted in my relationship with the Lord. That gave me a strength that I don't think I could have had apart from, uh, you know, just the spiritual uh, life that I have in Christ. It seems that when people are searching for God, they're always asking, is God good and can he be trusted? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that is true. And I think what I show in this book is, uh, you know, the scripture says God is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
And I think we, we have that quote sometimes in the church, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. That's mm-hmm. one thing to say it. It's another thing to really believe it and live in it. And I'm just telling you, you know, the scripture says, uh, I've been old and I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And uh, because of who we are in Christ, God is always for us and with us and in us. And I talk about that in the book. Uh, just the, I talk about how God is always helping the fearful. And, you know, this this quarantine and uh, mm. coronavirus brought about so many fears, brought about so many uh, just anxieties. And so I talk about how God calms our anxiety. I talk about how he helps the fearful. And, uh, you know, isn't it amazing that God uh, is not only uh, uh, with us, and he's not only for us, but through the Holy Spirit, he's in us. And if we really contemplated that truth and took that truth in, man, we wouldn't fear anything. We wouldn't fear dealing with our past issues. We wouldn't deal. We wouldn't fear uh, looking into the brokenness of our own heart and life. We wouldn't fear these things because we know God's with us. Mm-hmm. I know that the pandemic has really isolated a lot of people, and they've withdrawn from all of their normal activity, and they've lost out on all kinds of fellowship. And I know you get alone with your thoughts, and not only the most pleasant thoughts come into your head, but sometimes the darker ones. And mm-hmm. the darker ones can sound like, how can I even be sure God really sees me? Yeah, you know, I talk about this in another chapter of the book on God always working, how he's always comforting the lonely. And one of the things that I say in that is it, it, you have to get alone in order to know you're not alone. Oh, I like that too. Get, yeah, you have to get alone with the Lord. And it's in those times alone with the Lord where you realize you're not alone. And you know what? You realize you've never been alone. Um, but you have to get alone in order to know you're not alone. And so uh, sometimes we just don't want to be alone. I mean, turn the TV on, turn a podcast on, turn the radio on, anything to not have to sit in silence with the Bible before us. But this is where we really grow in our relationship with the Lord. And again, it's where it's reinforced that his presence is with us always. Yeah. You're very quotable here, Jarrett. You're giving me some good quotes here. Um, oh, gonna, good. Yeah, I can gonna, use them. Yeah. I'm going to take <laughs> a, a short break, but I'm not going to waste the wait until you come back. I'm going to do some more research and ask, get some more questions ready to ask you. Jarrett Stevens is my guest, and the book that he wrote is called The Always God. He Hasn't Changed, and You Are Not Forgotten. We'll be right back. Stevens is my guest. He got a doctorate of ministry from Liberty Theological Seminary. I have not called him Dr. Stevens once, only because he really comes across to me like a Jarrett. So that's cool, isn't it, Jarrett? Oh, I don't think he might not be here. Hey, Bill, just coming on. Oh, awesome. Okay. I don't know what you heard or didn't hear, but um, I've, I'm, I'm curious. When you have someone that comes up to you and say, oh, okay, Jarrett, I get that God is here but is he doing anything? If if you get someone that asks you that, what kind of counsel would you give? Well, I, you know, for me, the the doctrine of the sovereignty of God 
has always been a very comforting doctrine. And the fact that God rules over everything, uh, in charge of everything, that nothing touches the child of God without first filtering through his holy hands. Uh, So I say God is always moving. He's always acting. He's always uh, working. Uh, We may not see it at certain times, but certainly uh, when we look back, uh, we're going to see his hand. You know, I had an aunt that used to cross stitch. And she would leave her cross stitches all over the house, and you would look at it. It would be turned over, and it'd be all this yarn knotted up. It didn't look like anything, but if you flip it over, you <laughs> mm-hmm. could see the picture, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're looking at life, we look up, and the cross. All we see is the backside of the cross stitch. Man, it doesn't look like anything's happening. It doesn't look like anything's going. But God's looking down, and He's got this incredible picture that He's putting together with our lives, and, and you know that sovereignty, everything He's moving according to His plan and His will, and to me, that's just a beautiful uh, doctrine that I I found it to be a very warm blanket for my soul at times. Yeah, it's really a lovely thought. But if you have somebody that feels more desperate, uh, they they can't believe the place they're in in life right now. They never dreamed they'd be there. Uh, They might be getting kicked out of their apartment. They don't have maybe even money for food the next day. You know, Mm -hmm. you you deal with these kinds of uh, people in crisis and they're saying, is God doing anything? How do you kind of approach a person that would be coming from that place? Yeah, I, I, I talk to them about uh, the fact that God loves them, that he has a plan for their lives, and that, uh, you know, even the fact that they're coming to me talking about this issue right now, they're asking for help or wondering, is a, is a part of, of what God's doing in their life. He's putting the church in their path to be able to help them. And so, uh, you know, life's not easy. I think we, you know, sometimes, you know, God never promised us an easy path. John the Baptist was the greatest man born of a woman, and he was beheaded. Jesus, the Son of God, uh, who was perfect and sinless, was put on a cross. Right. And so, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is bad things happen to good people. Um, but God is always working, and we don't know what he's up to all the time. But we can take confidence in the fact that he's always working. I was just teaching on Daniel this week. Daniel gets thrown to the lion, lion's den. Well, Daniel did everything right. I mean, he stood up for Christ. He was he, for God. He stood firm in his convictions. He prayed. He continued to seek the Lord, and he got thrown to the lions. Yeah, good now, he was, miraculous, he was miraculously delivered, but he didn't know that going in. And, uh, you know, the fact is Daniel did everything right, and things still didn't, you know, he still got thrown to the lions. Mm-hmm. But God was working, working so much that 2,000 years later, I'm telling my church about his, his, you know, his faith and his courage and his boldness. Yeah. All this wisdom is coming out of Jared Stevens' book, The Always God. He hasn't changed and you are not forgotten. So I know, Jared, you deal with lots of people that are going through all kinds of suffering. Do you find that there are common themes and questions that you have encountered along the way? Um, I, I think the common theme is just, uh, does God care? I think at the end of the day, that's what people are asking, is does God care? And, um, I, you know, as a Bible teacher, uh, certainly um, teaching the message of the gospel, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he died on a cross for our sins, and that he was raised to life. What I always try to remind people about the, the hope of the gospel is that, the gospels are there's always a resurrection. Uh, there's always hope. And so, you know, when, when you're going through something and you're, you're battling the fears and the doubts and the, does God really care? Uh, you've got to get back to not what you feel, but again, what does the truth of God's word say? 
And the Bible reminds us over and over and over again of the steadfast love, the mercy of God, that his character, he's always here for us. And so when we rely, when we, when we, when we settle on that truth and we fix our mind and our hearts on that truth, you know, it, it's really hard to be moved when you're on solid ground. And, and solid ground is, is, is the, the scripture that never changes. Uh, even when the circumstances of life do change. So that's what I try to point people to. Again, not going off your emotions, not going yeah. off your feelings, but off the truth of God's Word. Yeah. So w- when people ask, does God care? Jared, let me throw this out and have you respond to it. Uh, sometimes what I hear is, does God care? And is he willing to cooperate with my understanding of how my life should go? Exactly. Yeah, that's the issue, right? Yeah. We, we, it's not that we don't. That we. It's not even that we doubt that God cares. We translate does God care in getting me out of this trial, getting me out of this trouble, getting me out of this circumstance, delivering for me from this standpoint. And that's not what God. That's not what God promises. God promises is that He's going to be with us in it. He's going to see us through it. And so that's where, you know, the hope of being a Christ follower is so tangible and real. And that's why that last two chapters of the book, I spent two chapters on saying, listen, you can trust in God and you never have to lose your hope in God. When you have those two things as the anchor for your soul, when, when trust in him and hope in him are, are, are the bookends of your life, you can make it through anything. Mm-hmm. When it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, never rely on what you think you know. I mean, when you hear that verse and you think, okay, can he be trusted? Can I put my trust in him? How do I apply that? So I lay my head on the pillow at night and go, I'm trusting God. Yeah. Well, you know, trusting is is this idea of walking with him, right? You quoted Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I Mm -hmm. love that that whole verse there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge there, it means to know. And it's this intimate relationship, Bill. This is, it's, a, it's, the, it's this term that uh, you know by experience. And so you trust in the Lord as you experience walking with him every single day. And what that verse promises, as you walk with him every single day, as you experience him every single day, uh, and we experience the Lord through our relationship with Him, through prayer, through reading of the Word, through just obedience, walking with His Holy Spirit. The Bible says He will make your way straight. And that whole idea there is He will cut a path, like He will make a road where there is no road. And so what I would encourage you to do is past, remembering the past faithfulness of God fuels future obedience and faith in God. And so for any of your listeners, I would really encourage them to keep a journal, and you write down all those times that God's been faithful to you in the past, where you've trusted him and he's come through, because remembering his past faithfulness will fuel our future obedience and faithfulness to him. Mm-hmm. Jared, I'm going to ask you a, kind of a really big question. We just have three minutes left, so I, 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 this is a really important question, and I, I, I want everyone to listen, so I'm going to even... I'll pause for like two seconds before I ask it. There, hopefully I got everyone's attention now. So can I get to a place that no matter what happens in my life, doubt won't overtake me? Yes, 100%. Um, because uh, you can get there because of your personal walk with the Lord, your faith in the Lord. You know, that we believe in a sanctifying grace. 
where we are being made more like Christ every single day. The scripture says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And so as you grow in your relationship with the Lord every single day, uh, it doesn't mean you're not going to have doubts. I mean, to have faith, there's going to be an element of doubt, but doubt does not have to overtake you. Absolutely not. The Bible says, Isaiah 26, 3, he keeps him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in him. And so, so much of this, while it is a faith game, it's a mind game as well. And so you've got to prepare your mind for action. You've got to renew your mind in the truth. And uh, it all goes back to what does God's word say, not what do I feel or what am I up against? That was a powerful and confident answer. Thank you so much. Well, I've only got 45 seconds left, but what would you like readers to take away from your book, The Always God by Jarrett Stevens? What would you like? I want, I want them to take away the subtitle. The subtitle really says it all. He hasn't changed. God has not changed over time. The same God that worked miracles in the past is working miracles today. The same God that worked in the past is working uh, today. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. You, right now, where you are, whatever you're going through, you are not forgotten. God's eyes are on you. Oh, that's such an awesome message to close with. Jared, thank you so much. You're just an absolute delight. I wish I could be going to your church. Bill, thanks for your time, man. Have a great day, and I really appreciate you having me on. You bet. Jared Stevens has been my guest, and his book, again, is The Always God. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. And what an excellent way to end today's show. You are not forgotten. God loves you. God cares about you. He's working out a great plan in your life. You can trust him. And you can know that with certainty that he will never leave you or forsake you. Thanks to the guys for Guy Talk and to Jarrett Stevens for being such a great guest. That wraps up our show for the day. I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm looking forward to spending time already with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. God bless. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.